Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yeah! my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. This week's episode brought to you by Refused, whose new album, Freedom, is out in stores, man. They're first in 17 years, and they're on tour with Faith No More, which... Faith No More is coming down here, but I'm not going to get to see that tour, man. But you can find out where they're going to play at officialrefused.com. You can buy the record there. You can check out the tour dates and all that good stuff. And also make sure that you check out our podcast with uh, lead singer Dennis Lykson as well, because uh, that was a pretty damn good interview. I think, it, I, think it, I think it was, too. But, dude, not nearly as good as this album is. This record is, is good, man. It really I, is. I, like, I, I said it before they advertised with us. True. This is the album of the year. This is an album I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life. It, it, you know, we don't ask our listeners to do much, right? Ask you to subscribe. Ask you to tell a couple a, of stars here and there, you know. Yeah, that, all that sort yeah. of stuff that, that you'll remind them about in about, you know, 65 seconds from now. But... <laughs> But we don't ask like you to buy anything, send us money, anything like that. But uh, Yet. with the refu- with this refused album, with this refused album, I'm doing you a favor by saying support the Metal Sucks podcast by buying the new refused album today because it is incredibly great. It's worth every dollar and then some. I, I already bought it myself. And and I just I need it everywhere I go. I'm gonna need to listen to this album. It's there's so many albums that just don't matter. This is a this is an album that matters. Oh my god, it's so good. Now, if you want to learn how to make music, um, well, I don't want to say like refused or at least record music that is as good, you can check out our friends over at Creative Live as well. They've got classes in engineering and mixing and mastering taught by artists like uh, Between the Barren and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger Escape Plan. CreativeLive.com slash audio to learn more and watch some free previews of their videos, which you turned me on to, actually. I mean, I watched a few here and there just to kind of get a feel, and then, like, I started wormholing. There's, like, some really kick-ass stuff on it's, there. Yeah, I'm not even, like, a. am not a musician. I'm not an engineer. You barely I'm plugged not, in your microphone today, so. <laughs> yeah, totally, You dude. know. <laughs> You should see this setup I got, but um, <laughs> but but you know what? I love that website because I love learning things, and and you know this is such a great opportunity for so many people who listen to our podcast. I want to know what it is that they can check out, and I'm telling you, I've been there, I've done it, and it's there's great people teaching great classes, giving great information, and 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 some of it's free. Well, and a lot of people, cool and part. what's funny is you know a lot of people listen to our segment, the one minute to midnight segment with uh, with the all. And they they hear this they, they hear people trying to do this stuff in the garage and have no idea what they're doing. This is a great step forward, you know. Don't believe all the crap you see on YouTube. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I watched out on YouTube how to fix my car. And next thing you know, it exploded in my face. It's that sort of thing. So I think these guys have their shit together and and, and can do a lot of uh, do you a lot of good as far as uh, trying to get a good demo recorded and stuff like that. And learn learn a skill, man. Get you out and there. Get you marketable, dude. 
if you're a drummer, you, you don't leave it to the producer to know how to mic your drums. True. Don't don't leave it to the the live engineer who's half deaf with the you know with the mullet still listening. Hey man, to Rage Against the Machine. That's a friend of mine, dude. Okay. You need to know this stuff because this is one of those things that I didn't realize until I got older. Right? Like all these people who claim that they know something, they don't know. St- squat they just really like don't us. know <laughs> yeah we don't know nothing but the guys at creative live they know their stuff and so you should learn it because when you walk into the studio for your first 10th or your 100th time know as much as the guy you're True. paying and you'll make sure it's right yeah uh, hey a lot of times if, if you just know a couple of keywords that'll make him go wait maybe this guy does know what he's talking about it's <laughs> <laughs> like half the battle is just knowing the lingo you know <laughs> creative live is one of those things that just makes you go the internet is awesome and old people are totally missing out that's <laughs> that's totally killer and you shouldn't miss out on the metal sucks podcast make sure that you are subscribed on itunes ah segue bitches <laughs> make sure you're subscribed on itunes just search metal sucks podcast you'll find us you can uh, do that leave us a couple of stars tell us that we suck you can also find us on the uh, old social media as well i am on twitter at bearded ape i'm at godless speaks and godlessspeaks.com. so you can always uh, reach us that way and if you haven't checked out the speak pipe thing uh, every post that we put up we leave a little link at the bottom and you can leave us a message and talk to us give us tips on stuff whatever if it's an album that you're thinking of we got a couple about albums that we missed on our best of 2015 uh, and other stuff. We always appreciate those, and they can be very good topic starters as well. But coming up on this episode this week, we got new music from Ramming Speed. Got an interview with Danny Filth of Cradle of Filth coming up as well. This week, we had a topic starter from uh, none other than Metal Sucks contributor Enzo DF, dude. Of course, he wanted to tie together three stories that happened this week, whether it's the story about the new Cobalt lead singer, Morbid Angels, whatever you want to call it, and uh, Inquisition playing with uh, playing Slipknot's Knotfest. Well, I feel like these three stories are united. Uh, they all pertain to kind of weird and wild changes to lineup uh, over the last uh, few days. Okay. And uh, I think the most notable and most striking one is probably the one that's in uh, the most danger of flying under the radar, and that's the change to that band called um, Cobalt. Um, Cobalt was always... Uh, kind of known not only for being a, a really great American uh, black metal band uh, with a very interesting, uh, well, vibe. Everything about them was pretty interesting. But mostly they were known for their vocalist, who is a kind of a, a, a career officer in the United States uh, Army. Um, he was a guest on Fox News Network. Uh, he was kind of a outspoken kind of weirdo with wild beliefs that... Uh, kind of ruffled some feathers here and there, and like conspiracy finally, uh, theory, uh, conspiracy theory kind of beliefs, or no, like, like no, he's a homophobe. Oh. Yeah, he's a he's kind of a bastard. You know that that doesn't disqualify him from uh, our respect per se, but he he is a bit of a son of a bitch when it comes to uh, you know anything that's not like the Superman. He he seems like he's into the the concept of um, each of us. You know, thrashing our way through life, and if you stop to whine about being mistreated, uh, you are a pussy, and he spits in your face. Uh, and, and he names names. He names specific ethnic and uh, social groups in his uh, list of enemies. So, yeah, I, I guess his time, you know, his being in Cobalt had become kind of untenable for the other half of Cobalt, this guy uh, from Colorado named Eric Wonder. 
Um, so that that flamed out not too long ago uh, for the, the final time. I can kind uh, of agree type. with like the whining part because the thing I hate more than any are the soldiers who complain about PTSD. What whiners? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh my wine, god. Wine, wine. Oh, where'd my leg go? Where'd my leg go? Oh, nobody yeah, right? bought me it's a like, new leg. <laughs> get, get a grip on your life, pal. If you weren't yeah. if you weren't the chicken shit, you'd have a leg right now. Yeah, um, right. That's kind of Phil. Uh, the guy's name was Phil McSorley. That that to me that was kind of uh, how his vibe came off. And uh, you know, God bless him. I hope I hope he uh, I hope he is happy in whatever he's doing, and uh, he is entitled to his own journey. I hope he I hope he gets there. Uh, You're such a nice as, guy, Ansel. I, I know. I don't think I've That's ever crazy. said God bless him before. <laughs> does yeah, he Does I mean, he live near you or what? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. No, I God, I hope not. But Why can't anybody just be a fucknut? He, if anybody qualifies, Phil McSorley is probably uh, a cancer, <laughs> a cancer on heavy metal. I, I know he tangled with Metal Sucks contributor Kim Kelly on occasion, and uh, I don't think he was very cool. Uh, so on, on a personal basis, I don't really like the way he talks to our friends. Mm. Uh, so you know, on a personal and a professional basis, I, he's kind of dead to me. But how does that color the music? I mean, does it does yeah. that taint the view of the music that it, that that they made before? I mean, because you know, as an artist, it, we we kind of touched on that with uh, with one of our listeners uh, asking us about you know if the if they're a homophobe and this and that, and they have these beliefs. Then do I stop listening to it? Because I mean, if you're talking about artistic expression, that's kind of an expression of what's in your soul. So is is that same sort of thing conveyed in the music and when we listen to that are we basically endorsing this guy's beliefs by buying his music uh, well yeah i mean there's kind of two there's kind of two prongs to that there's one uh is you know pertains to commerce uh are we are we rewarding this person by uh you know funding him yeah. and his art uh that's tricky that part you can probably color as either black or white you either do it or you don't that probably up to the person uh but the other side of it is kind of a spiritual thing right like do you really want to listen to what this person has to say uh, about anything and in that respect i feel like we can grant uh i don't i don't feel like any music is evil per se the purveyors of that music the people who create it they might have uh they might be on the wrong track that's totally true but the music itself i don't really know if you can just kind of abandon that for uh i don't think it's the song's fault that the performer of it is an asshole that kind of goes across the board like you'll like a song by miley cyrus and just be like shit can't stand miley cyrus she's a maniac but the song's pretty good it's not the song's fault i i I also think that it's very important to consider the free play of science and signifiers part of what art is is people kind of exploring their own feelings and kind of trying to find out how they feel uh, as opposed to just telling people exactly what they uh, feel because they, they're so sure of it. I think a lot of times people are kind of feeling out their own, the parameters of their own, you know, kind of like philosophy and, uh, about things. Yeah, but what if you found so out he's know. an asshole? I mean, uh, I mean, that's like, <laughs> hey, by the way, I figured out what I am. <laughs> and look. <laughs> yeah, right. I've explored my feelings through art, and I've uh, arrived at the conclusion that I'm a dickhead, uh, <laughs> and it sucks. And Split I got seven inch with Paul Diano coming soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah, it seems like people are kind of stepping over themselves to put their foot in their mouth. But you know, what are you going to do? The important thing is Cobalt is on the comeback trail in a very big way. I, I think that what happened to Cobalt last week is what uh, 
Metal Sucks NBA columnist Doc Coyle, also ex-guitarist of God Forbid, would probably call a blockbuster trade. Cobalt acquired, <laughs> if you will, uh, the the former uh, vocalist and kind of frontman of that band, Lord Mantis mm-hmm. from Chicago. Lord Mantis had its own spectacular flame out, which we covered in pretty gruesome detail on Metal Sucks. Um, and that left their rather mercurial and weird and kind of drugged out frontman Charlie Fell uh, kind of to regroup with the good pieces of Lord Mantis in a new band called The Missing. Uh, however, uh, it was just announced that Charlie will also be handling the vocals for the new Cobalt album. And it sounds like he'll probably become a member of that band full-fledged. That is really fascinating. Probably the two screwiest situations in extreme metal have now merged uh the best parts of each have merged into into cobalt and i i think that makes this uh cobalt album that we've been anticipating since fucking 2009 uh even more uh exciting uh it's probably going to be the most singular and i I don't think what's going to happen on this cobalt album i don't think it's ever happened before so that's pretty interesting Hmm. So, wait a second. Now, rewind. Now, with Lord Mantis, I was just an observer. I was never really uh, got into the, the music too much. But for, from the outside looking in, Charlie was maybe gay, maybe trans, maybe just a cross-dresser. What is his thing? Oh, you know, uh, I've spoken to Charlie Fell once on the telephone. We did not talk about sex at all. But I wonder... Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, uh, you know, in the promotional cycle for that really, 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 really kind of game-changing album that Lord Mantis did uh, in 2014. It was called um, Death Mask. In that cycle, he talked a lot about his weird kind of, uh, I don't know, he's almost been the victim of sexual assault in a way, and uh, just some really screwy situations. To answer your question briefly... I think I'd have to ask him again. We'll have to we'll have to reopen that topic because mm. I don't I don't want to uh, imply anything that I don't know. I'm just sort of going on the same thing. Just interviews I'd read. There was the mm-hmm. the the man boy uh, or the the man woman sort of th- woman yeah. with a penis thing on the cover, and that all right. seemed to be something he was exploring about himself. And I don't know. I personally, I mean, I've never gone through that phase i've gone through some pretty weird phases on things but <laughs> I, that's never really kind of come across my radar so uh you know whatever floats the boat yeah right and it's undefined it's kind of like what what extreme metal specifically black metal uh kind of kind of uh kind of reaches for is the undefined um how evil we get and how closely we brush up against national socialism and all that sort of horse shit um it, it's it's basically undefined like there's no way to reach a real conclusion in black metal it's mostly questions uh rather than answers it's pretty fascinating stuff it's the human soul kind of turned inside out um and this is almost uh, like if cobalt traded sarah palin for like janet reno you know or something like that (laughs) it's pretty close that's a fantastic analogy I'm going to tell that. Uh, I'm going to email that to some people. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Charlie Feld does look a lot like Janet. So. <laughs> I I think that's less flattering. I, I think that's fine for Charlie. I think that's quite a diss <laughs> yes, on Janet. Yes, right yes, now. Yes, very well, uh, right. He's he's a, he's a maniac, and uh, you know I I I totally agree. Uh, which I say I totally sympathize with your curiosity about what exactly is going on under the hood with Charlie Feld because. What is fueling his expressions on that album, Death Mask, and then the album before that, 
uh, called Perverter. Um, that it's something's got to be pretty interesting. Uh, so let's find out about that. Let's put that on our list. Well, that couldn't be farther from the other guy, you know, like uh, as far as, uh, you know, yeah. right wing type. Yeah. Who this for this man, you know, uh, you're referring to Phil, Phil McSorley, who yeah. seems to believe that any sort of personal indulgence is an acknowledgement of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you feel urges, you feel sexual urges that fall outside the norm because you are expressing helplessness and weakness and, you're a pile of garbage and which means you have no, which you have means no place in the world order the way things work he's probably the one with the, the mo- more issues than than charlie fell is yeah. <laughs> so. he's a guy who, who voluntarily who, who who his goal was to serve for life in the military forces you have to kind of it's that douglas adams thing you have to wonder about people who seek uh positions of authority uh for the very desire to be uh like kind of an enforcer should disqualify you from ever being one. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't slight anybody for, who wants to make a career out of the military. I'm actually fine with that. It, it It's Ooh. just, just when everything else sort of gets, <laughs> gets sort of bound up within that, within that belief system. And you can't see, you can't see the rest of the world and it can be very insular. So you have to be careful about that. But uh, I, I would never slide anybody for that career path. You know, so, but I don't know when you're that rigid and and it can it can become that rigid. It, it mm-hmm. gets uh gets bad when you get out in the real world. It's weird. It's kind of it, it's funny that that story. Uh, it, it almost feeds into the story of one of the uh, newly announced uh, candidates for the presidency of the United States. Um, of course, we're talking about that super rich guy who has a big fat mouth and thinks everybody's a loser compared to him. Well. Compared to uh, Trump, we Trump. all are. Yeah. It sounds like half yeah. the Republican field, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I better narrow it down. The guy when you the started, I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's Jindal. And then you're like, oh, no, that's Chris Christie. And then, oh, yeah, that must be Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so weird. I, I don't know. My eyes are really on cobalt now. I'm wondering if this is going to be a situation where Eric Wonder plus Charlie Fell is a, is a two plus two equals four situation or two plus two equals some number we've never even heard of uh some intangible it's, it's going to be pretty fascinating uh, what what do you guys think about the other uh major lineup change that was in all that week before yeah but before you move on real quick like like uh, what i really want is i want this album to be a real celebration of the supreme court decision for homosexual marriage and for marriage equality i want this to be a celebration of gay sex I want it to be just hardcore, hardcore, and then I want everybody to sign a change.org petition to bring back the other guy so that he could go on tour and sing those sing songs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I want. Just make Phil McSorley's bow tie spin for a couple of nights. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, I want to sign up Phil McSorley to do a uh, online listening party with Chuck and I. <laughs> we can hear his opinion on the new album as it's played. His uh, direct commentary oh, of the new songs. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be so great. Be well, you know, it's funny. That's kind of what happened in Lord Mantis. The the guys left behind in Lord Mantis have to sing Charlie Fell's lyrics. Yeah. Uh, and it's mostly about being a crazed drug addict and kind of experiencing uh, a bit of a sexual crisis, it sounds like. So that's, I don't know if I could sing someone else's words about that kind of stuff. That'd be wild. Yeah. So now, how are you talking about tying these uh, a couple of these other stories together? I mean, whether we're talking about uh, the Morbid Angel thing. Yeah. Uh, which is 
just fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, like yes. completely crazy. Yes, I agree with you. That is, it was like a thunder strike. Um, not only did it kind of, uh, it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't very neat. You know, there was all sorts of miscommunication, and it kind of happened publicly. The departure of uh, you know most of the band, but not only that, but it, it almost seems like the symbolism of Steve Tucker rejoining Morbid Angel. Uh, it's almost like for once the people have spoken and the artist has listened. Is is that accurate? I don't know if that's accurate or not. I because no. uh, I feel Vincent or nobody because I feel like it's all about David Vincent and uh, and everybody refers to the last record. But from what it sounds like to me, the way that that played out, that was more of Trey having that having a say in what happened on the last album versus David. So, uh, but I mean, I don't think any of us will ever know like the. The true inner dynamic there, what was going on, and and it's all, you know, it's all just exploded. It's just so weird, (laughs) you know. And then, and then Tucker coming out with the whole thing about now we're going to make a death of the metal album like we're supposed to, and it's like, well, anybody could have said that after the last fucking record. I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, it's it's interesting to me the fact that that is uh, when you ask people, hey. Of all the bands out there, you know, kind of iconic bands, big bands, many have gone through changes. Judas Priest changed singers. They had, you know, a major identity change uh, in the era of Tim uh, Ripper Owens. Uh, the same goes for Iron Maiden when they had Blaze Bailey uh, instead of their uh, iconic singer Bruce Dickinson. And Morbid Angel kind of comes up in that conversation, too, in a positive way. I hear from a lot of fans that the Steve Tucker albums are among their best. Um, and... Yeah, <laughs> that that thought is not getting a lot of traction on the Metal Sucks podcast. Well, I mean, I don't know. The, the, there is a debate there. I think, the, but but you know, I, th- I think you're going to find def- there are definitely two camps of Morbid Angel fans. Those those pre and post, you know. Right. So what so, happens next? Like, is Morbid Angel better off? Is their next album going to be better with you know David Vincent and his weird shit, or would you? Uh, throw your throw your lot in with like the straight death metal Steve Tucker thing. I'm still thinking that there's going to be a Morbid Angel AD soon enough. And David <laughs> Vincent's Altars of Madness. Yeah, it'll you know? be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be something like that, dude. And uh, uh, it's got to be because I mean, <laughs> like the Bobby Blotzer rat experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or yep, what? Yep. Or Jeff Tate's Operation Mindcrime. You know that's Yeah. Exactly. That's what I uh, picture. Uh, if if he's smart, that's what he's doing, and he gets on the road before Morbid Angel gets on the road. Yeah, because you know, that shit show is going to be a, a lot harder to deal with. And you know, Tim Young is. Uh, I think Tim Young will probably be a lot easier to deal with than trying to find another really good death metal drummer that's going to want to go the, out with Trey Asgoth. You know, this is the, yeah. the this is the advantage that David Vincent has, right? So he can go out and just do the old Morbid Angel stuff and a handful of new things he's working on, and and everybody will go, "Whoa, yeah, that's the voice of Morbid Angel. That's what I missed." And then Morbid Angel are going to put out an album that will not be. Uh, a, a surgical steel it won't be like the new paradise lost or the the new at the gates it's going to be ho-hum and then people will swing their their allegiance to david vincent it's yeah. an awesome opportunity for him ha huh. fascinating even, 
even if David like wants to do weird stuff, if he can hold off on doing weird stuff for just a little while and just go out and do the first three Morbid Angel albums, just yeah. hit the road doing those three, yeah. everybody will love him. Totally. And he'll and he'll win. But wait a minute. I have a question. If he would go and do that in 2015, 2016, why didn't they just do that already? Like instead of doing that crazy uh, album that kind of crashed and burned. Why did they just because do that a few years ago? Because, because now he's motivated by spite. <laughs> ah! Now he's got competition. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that 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 camaraderie and friendship and stuff, it breeds like shitty punk rock version of Morbid Angel. Uh, and, I like that last album. For oh, the record, dude. I'm the only one on Earth, but I like I think that. you are the only one on Earth, honestly. Uh, I think when Kim posted that, the 11 reasons to uh, to, to hate the last Morbid Angel record, and it was every song on the album, uh, I, I was like, that's pretty brilliant. Uh, but I think that that's, I, I think motivated by spite in this case, a little bit of anger might drive it in the right direction, you know? I agree with that. That's that's how you make the best art is uh, anger and competition. So then, um, so then now explain to me why because you were also trying to tie in the uh, Inquisition at Sli- at uh, Slipknot's Not Fest. What? Yes. So what did I think I missed something with that story? What? Explain. Explain. I will. I here I go. I I now shall explain. I I was taken uh, aback by two things regarding the announcement of the lineups of uh, Slipknot's returning Not Fest. Um, I, I was struck that there was a certain band on their uh, on the lineup, and I was also struck that I, I didn't hear too much talk about the, their presence there being interesting. Um, so that, now I'm going to start talking about how I find their presence interesting. So it all goes full circle. <laughs> um, it, it's cool. I mean, they got a lot of good headliners at that. Uh, obviously, Slipknot is going to play their own festival. Uh, Mastodon is there. Uh, Judas Priest, Korn. Uh, Guar, some some big bands that can really put butts in the seats at uh, that event. And then they've got some extreme bands that are really good as well. Like, um, I think At The Gates is there and Cannibal Corpse. Uh, I think Goat Horror is there. And, and they kind of do, the, the the best part about Fest is they kind of do what I was always kind of hammering uh, a different festival about. I always wanted Heavy Montreal to do... Uh, kind of an extreme metal stage, just a little, you know, put up a little stage somewhere in the corner. I, I don't even care. There's so much space at that particular festival that they could stick all those cool Quebecois black metal bands somewhere. And, you know, it, it would just be great. Uh, uh, it would be a great scenario for extreme metal fans. Um, and that's kind of what Notfest is doing. They have this extreme stage with Abysmal Dawn and Dying Fetus, Cataclysm. Thinger, I think is on there too. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a pretty some pretty good stuff. I think disgorge. Um, and then inquisition, uh, inquisition is on this. And that is the one that kind of set off a little alarm bell. I might be the only person who's seeing it this way, but, uh, inquisition, uh, if you've noticed, they've, uh, we've covered it in pretty good detail in the last like 16 months or so that inquisition used to kind of brush up against a lot of Nazi imagery. And, uh, one of the members side project is super into Nazi shit. Like, I don't know if they're historians or if they're neo-Nazis per se. Uh, but regardless, I, I don't even know if that's our place to, to, to kind of discuss or draw any conclusions there. I don't really think we have any evidence. They, they, they kind of suck at denying it and they suck at talking about it. But other than that, I don't, I don't even know if it's really a topic for discussion, whether or not Inquisition has, uh, you know, would count themselves as a national socialist black metal band. But what is interesting 
is that any band that has any perception in that area, like any band that is perceived as being even close to like, uh, you know, basically organized racism, uh, they don't really get on to things like Slipknot's big festival in Iowa with its, you know, Live Nation sponsorship or whoever uh, is paying for that thing. Um, do, do they not? not s- no. Yeah. So do you think it's a, it's just a matter of them not even realizing it and like, well, they got a cool yeah. logo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's my guess. You know, somebody, they hired somebody to book for this thing. Uh, that somebody, you know, booked Inquisition, whatever. No big deal. They are, we should probably stop to mention that Inquisition is fucking awesome. I mean, they're on a streak of like four or five straight, like classic albums, like in a row, uh, without breaking a sweat. So they deserve to play at festivals if we're just thinking of music itself. Uh, the people need to hear Inquisition. But, and so do you require Jew hate for it to be considered classic? <laughs> oh, no, no, not, no, no. Trying I to don't. figure out what, where you're like, you know, where you, where you fall on this. Because, you know, oh, you've been, I? I know you're a nice guy, but are you oh, like thanks. really into like racist and, and homophobic uh, artists? You've been really nice about these people. I'm starting to wonder. No. Well, I, I, pr- I appreciate the question. I appreciate the opportunity to, to state an unequivocal no. I, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a racist or a homophobe. I don't know uh, if I think this denial is quite emphatic enough. <laughs> oh, not, well, um, that might, that might, that might go to a long way to understanding Inquisition. They, they are offended by the question, so their, their uh, denial is half-hearted. Uh, is, is the concept? I, I, I tend to play a lot of devil's advocate with that kind of stuff. Uh, where there's smoke, there probably is fire. If anything, if, you know, if nothing else, at least they're guilty of being really irresponsible with their speech and with their imagery. Uh, if it's if they indeed don't believe that, why would they throw that shit around in such a reckless manner? Unless they were twenty-something uh, dummies who are into heavy metal and they have no social skills. So, yeah, but that ambiguity, that ambiguity alone, sort of makes it more mysterious or interesting. Or you know, yeah. I mean, they they haven't confirmed or denied, but at, if they ever need to, they could. Um, or could they? I mean, and they should. They definitely should. Um, I mean, but for that's the sake not of true. People, that's not you know. I mean, they, they they should they have to answer to something that they that they are or are not. Then that's kind of the question before is like so are we is that part of the art or is it not part of the art? Or if they make it part of the art where it's part of the imagery, then they I guess they should have to answer for it, right? Or right, you know, I don't well, know. It, you know who they should answer to? I don't know if they have to, like, speak to the world at large, like every yo-yo who signs onto the internet and reads metalsucks.net. I don't, I don't know if they have to answer to all of those people, but who they do owe a reply to are their stockholders, the people who pay uh, their way, the people who buy their products and keep them in business. That's probably a small segment of people, and it's a pretty negligible amount of money. True. But they do owe people like uh, you and I an explanation because we uh, pay them. We're, we're, we're on their board of directors. Um, so I want to know what they're doing with my support. You know, I, I, I want to know. But more than anything, that, that's really not the... We're, we're, we can hold our breath for that. It's, it's, it'll either happen or it won't. We'll have no effect on whether or not it does. Mm. But what Slipknot needs to know is that they've got a band on their festival that they're kind of vouching for. That they're either, like I said, they're either vouching for them like, people, don't worry, these guys are cool. It didn't look that way. When they were younger, they did some stupid shit. They were trying to be super evil, and they didn't really recognize that they were being kind of dumb about it. And here we are, Slipknot, we're, we're signing off on it. Or, 
or maybe they just no. don't know. I mean, maybe I, they're I, waiting I'm, to find out that they've got neo-Nazi sympathizers on their fucking festival. Well, you got uh, you got people that want to kill cops up there too with body count. You got uh, you got uh, that's Gu- different. Guar who loves to who loves to murder uh, Sarah Palin and shit on stage too, and and then you got those guys yeah. that just they want as a Pepsi and no, that's uh, all self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I mean I'm being devil's advocate here, but but I mean good. It, it's. To, to what the hell? I got this guy who's so nice, he's now a racist. And then another guy who's a devil advocate for racism. I feel like I'm completely alone around here. What's going on? These guys are assholes. Nobody should be giving them a bigger stage. Done. Somebody rescue Godless from the Metal Sucks podcast. We're in trouble when he is the voice of reason. That's oh. Well, we're all fucked now. Oh, it's over. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I I sort of agree. I think if those if those tendencies are there, I don't want to spend money on it. I don't want to, you know, if uh, if a couple of dollars from this festival are going to go to Inquisition, I don't know that I want to buy tickets to that, you know. But at the same time, is it is it something that needs to be brought up to the organizers, or is it something, you know, or or I don't know. I don't know what what do you do in this case. You know, if I, I think if it were, uh, I I think it's interesting that. Uh, it's not Metallica's festival. It's not, uh, you know, it's not Ozfest. It's not. It's, it's Slipknot. It's a band that no. uh, is is pretty into image. Uh, they they are. There's no shortage of messages uh, spoken and visual from the the Slipknot camp. They're constantly blabbing in interviews. Mm-hmm. They've got books that they write. They've got other bands. Uh, there's a lot of messages coming out from Slipknot, and I, I would just love to hear them answer the question. Like Corey Taylor, do you know that Inquisition? As a kind of, I, I mean, they're kind of dangerous, you know. May people or may might not, not have. like the fact. Yeah, yeah. It's like whether or not they're they're into that shit, I, I guess, is one thing, and that's definitely an important thing. But as far as this Slipknot Fest goes, just the perception is enough to blow bands like that way the fuck away from events like Not Fest. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, last year they wanted to have the flaming uh, camel shit. I think this year ought to just be flaming <laughs> Inquisition yeah. shit. Yeah, it'll be very thinly veiled. Yeah, you know, new Inquisition music. The last few albums, they're, they're, I don't even know what they're on about. They're they're so far past any earthly concerns. They're they're super mystics now. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we're making a a big thing out of nothing, or maybe maybe not. Hmm. Hmm. I'm very interested in what Slipknot would say. You know, the nine yeah. members of Slipknot. Like. Here's the evidence. Here's you know the guys in Inquisition posing in front of a, an actual you know swastika, an actual flag, uh, and here's the members of Inquisition side project that is pretty much not just dedicated to World War II history, but dedicated to like uh, concentration camp history. Just that segment of it. Uh, that's I don't know if that's if that's uh, forgive me if that's kosher with the Slipknot camp. I'm just like racking my brain trying to remember the Australian band that Kim did the article about a few months ago who were uh, had a, a earlier incarnation that turned out they were Nazis and and now they're like no 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 sorry and they did a a pretty thorough you know <laughs> sorry about that you know why'd you got to dig so deep um, <laughs> but I you know that's the kind of thing that I want to hear from them yeah everybody's I think allowed you can mistakes but. Yeah, no, your mystique can yeah. happen in your garage, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, yeah, in the in the age of the internet, the mystique is it's over. Come on, you know, let's <laughs> let, let, let's just put that past us. You know, okay, but you can be uh, you can keep the mystique on stage or whatever, and you can be yeah. you know weird on your albums, whatever you want to write about. But you know, come on, tell, tell us what's up. 
you know, something. Well, I think I think the internet, in a way, is responsible for the explosion of black metal for that very reason. That yeah. black metal is seeking to provide, you know, basically the last bastion of mystique. And there's really no mystique anywhere on the internet, so I think they're they're trying to kind of reject that whole thing. Well, they're um, just trying to get their shit on H and M. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Hey. I gotta get a couple of those shirts. Bazinga. <laughs> all right. And so you're the man. Thank you. Oh, guys, that was so fun. Thank you so much for gabbing with me. I love talking on the podcast. Thank you, Anzo. Always appreciated coming on the podcast. Let's get into our interview right now with uh, Danny Filth of Cradle of Filth on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hello, it's Danny. Hey, Danny, how you doing? This is uh, Chuck and Godless from the Metal Sucks Podcast, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank da- you. Danny, we speak your name. You, you're, you, uh, th- it's such an honor to talk to you. really is. I mean, because I, I, I just got to tell you, like, there are, there are we, we talk to a lot of people, but there are only that, like, handful that really would be considered, like, you know, not only... Uh, awesome people in the genre but legends in the genre and and you're one of them so this is a, an interview we've been looking forward to for a long time thank you very much for talking with us well let's hope you, you speak to more than five people <laughs> <laughs> no it's just it i mean it's definitely you hold a place in in metal that that there's really no no rivals really well, I was saying that. I just got back from presenting, um, well, presented uh, a Kerrang Award the other day. And then lo- I just got back from London because last night I presented the Metal Hammer Award. And you say that, but Priest uh, were there. And then last night it was like Scott Ian and uh, Kiss and, you know, Gene Simmons and um, Brian May was there. So I-, I wouldn't exactly put myself in that, you know up level pegging with those sort of people why not well i don't know they're proper aren't they they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're just because like, they're older i mean i know, mean rob Hal- I, I, re- I read the tweet or whatever i was like rob halford said he was a fan of cradle of filth said he yeah. like loved what you do yeah he went oh we got a new album coming out have you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. actually the last That's time it. i spoke to him was um we played this this festival uh strange enough called the metal gods um in italy and uh it was amazing it was absolutely astonishing um and we're sitting in the dressing room afterwards and in walks rob halford just in a towel and just sat, stood there chatting with us for about 45 minutes myself and, and the keyboardist just in a towel and it was <laughs> surreal um conversation <laughs> ever you know it was a leather towel though right <laughs> <laughs> yeah white leather towel <laughs> well, it, it, all right so just rewind because it's it, 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 for me it's always one of those things where i always fear like uh you know some people i think realize where they are in the pantheon you know of, of the history of this genre but i i think that there's enough who are maybe inside some sort of bubble that we talk to and they don't realize just the amount of impact they've had creatively, commercially, everything. And, and cradle of filth are, I mean, you, you guys buttressed an entire, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, like 15, 20 years during which most of it, there was almost nothing else going on. Definitely nothing else like what you guys were trying to do. Uh, 
Yes. Did you? Did you? <laughs> feel, yeah. But did you? Did you feel like sort of like? Um, where is everybody? You know what I mean? I mean, it almost seemed like well, you wouldn't well, even no, be able to go on tour and get an opening band. There was so little going on. Well, yeah. I mean, we did find ourselves sort of separated from the main bulk of the extreme, well, black metal scene, let's say, uh, originally, because we live in England. And aside from Venom, who were sort of non-operational at that point, um, we were kind of isolated from, from the rest of our peers um, so yeah, we did sort of have to find our own ground, as it were. But you say that, and like, I can only refer back um, to the last couple of days because I was, like I say, I was at these awards, and especially the Krang one. Like, I didn't recognise any of the bands, and I had to present an <laughs> award to a band I didn't even know, and it was all very sort of entry level heavy metal. You know, it was more about the haircut than the, than the actual music. Um, and I got talking with. It these people you know like lots of bands like uh, new year's day and uh bring me the horizon and uh, mallory knox and things like that and i was quite surprised when they were like oh man yeah 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 we're massive fans of the band and like going for all the songs and stuff i was like wow i just didn't realize <laughs> give me some money <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's what's crazy because I was looking back and, and just thinking about, okay, so when I saw you guys rally for the first time was in early 2000s Ozfest, and you guys were coming up with bands like Shadows Fall and Killswitch Engage and in the American scene. And it just talk about completely different, completely other end of the spectrum. Yeah, but you someone, guys still fit. I was telling someone about that tour the other day, and they were like, no way, that didn't happen. I was like, yes, way, it did happen because Ozzy, you know, it can only sing. Uh, uh, one or two days and and so obviously we were headlining the b stage and you know how much money it keep, cost to keep a tour bus out there on their own so we had to fill in the gaps and yeah i think we had like kill switch shadows full chimera and sworn enemy supporting us and people mm -hmm. were like no way that didn't happen <laughs> and i remember that just what a tour it was just amazing in fact, we just played with Kill Switch in the Philippines, actually. Uh, well, I said just, but about five weeks ago. Uh, it's always good to see Adam D at the top of his game. <laughs> in his, in his uh, short shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so are you guys, like, huge everywhere? Um, not the moon. No, we're not. not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the... Uh, England's been a little weird until recently. It was starting to creep back up again. But that's the thing with, with the UK. You know, uh, the press here, they have a habit of building a band up only to kind of destroy them. And it's a, it's a time memorial thing. It's happened with so many bands. I don't know why that is. It's just the just mentality of people over here. And it's always favours the US over everything else, like literally, you know. Um, but... Yeah, recently it seems to be getting good again, um, which yeah, obviously is great for us. And it seemed like very early on, you guys had, um, uh, you guys were paying a lot of attention to uh, the 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 imagery and the and and the art and you know all the stuff that went the visual portion of Cradle of Filth. It, was that conscious was that something that you guys were trying to do and and, and trying to do because of the commercial uh, opportunities there with t-shirts etc or was it just part of the package of what you guys were trying to do what was yeah what motivated that 
Well, we were very fortunate um, when we first started for the principle of evil in my flesh to get on board an artist called Nigel Wingrove, um, who worked with this guy, Chris Bell. Um, and from there, it just sort of, we had to each album, you know, I wanted to try and better it. And eventually it became, like you say, it was part of the entire package. With this album as well, we worked with this Latvian artist called Arthur Bazinz. And uh, as his I said, his fart with... bubble paintings are awesome. Oh, yeah. It's, it's... The artwork for this album is just legendary. It's amazing. I mean, people have just seen the cover, but it extends right throughout the booklet. And uh, I can't wait for people to see it. But I think it's important if you're going to, you know, release an album to, to think. Bands have to think about a great deal, do they? I mean, the lyricism has to be good you know the pictures have to be good the artwork has to be good you know it's a presentation you know that goes hand in hand with the music or so i like to think but that's the way i like to see it anyway you know well for a lot of bands it doesn't that's what's crazy is that that you know for the few that do take that into account there's so many that that just that that withers to the side most of the time well, it get, like I say, it gets harder with each album, and we were very fortunate to find this guy because, you know, we've worked with some really amazing artists over the years. Um, yeah, and we sort of backed ourselves into a corner because, obviously, you know, we want to try and further that per album. Um, no regression. Um, so, yeah, it's it gets trickier and trickier, but there's so many good artists out there anyway. You just have to, like, look look for them turn over the right stones etc <laughs> now you've gotten um the, the guys who are playing Cradle Fifth, filth now the the sound that they're able to get seems to be just strikingly similar to what other musicians were doing for you back in the 90s and you know and, you know in, in previous albums how do you make sure that the sound uh, uh, of uh, of the instruments and and the way people are playing stays consistent. Well, it's 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 odd. It's like um, you kind of grow into it. To be fair, um, we've been very fortunate to work with some great musicians again over the years. And the reason this has come about, why we've got two new guitarists, is that we were at the beginning of last year we were offered this co-headline tour with Behemoth, which kind of extended our tour cycle because we'd already done a big European tour. We don't generally do two, but the opportunity arose and we were like, yeah, this is going to be great. And it was. But unfortunately, our previous guitarist, Paul, had some personal issues and we knew that he couldn't do the tour like months beforehand. So we had to find someone else, which was Richard. Um, and then about a month before the tour, we got the like the double whammy that our other guitarist James who'd been suffering from this quite severe neck injury was going to have to undergo major surgery um so he wouldn't even be able to pick a guitar up let alone go on stage mm. so it was like damn what are we going to do you know I mean so we literally found another guitarist at the last minute at literally the, the 11th hour um and we our set list was like full of quite old stuff, classic cradle, you know, like um, Haunted Shores, Funeral in Carpathia, Beneath the Howling Stars. Um, and, you know, we just gelled. We got so many good reviews and the band just got on famously. So we just sort of went, you know, used that as a springboard. So they were the goalposts, I guess, that, that everybody was working off were those 
be songs and they're very sort of twin guitar orientated mm-hmm. and so that's you know that that's how we started writing that was the you know that was the sort of horizon to reach but yeah the new album it's, it's you know it's supposed to be a celebration of metal and uh you, you can't you can't celebrate metal without having a bit of um you know twin guitar action going on <laughs> and well, it's always it, i'm sorry it's always you know seemed like the that cradle was your baby you've always been the face of the band etc but the, has it always felt like it's been yours all the way along or did that come about at some point during its history um i think it came about out of necessity because when a band gets to a certain size and you're starting dealing with you know um famous magazines and, and and tv and stuff like that they always start you know they want they want one person on the cover six people you know there's all a bit of a squish on there you know so they always go for the vocalist now originally i kind of fought it because i wasn't that keen on it but when you're in a band you kind of have to mutate and survive i mean it's like this this award ceremony yesterday i only use it as an example because you know I, I was there yesterday um you kind of have to turn up and then you're expected, you know, I, I wasn't even told what I was doing. Suddenly it's a red carpet and there's like loads of photographers and you've got to do this and you've got to introduce this and you've got to, you know, go and interview him. And it's like above and beyond the call of duty as a singer. You could just turn around and go, well, I'm just a singer. I'm not a bloody, you know, miracle worker here. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not an interviewer um, and I'm not an actor and I'm not a presenter. But, you know, when you're in a band, you kind of have to do it. Otherwise, go under. So you have to, like I say, mutate and survive. And along the way, that's exactly what happened, really. I mean, people look at it and they go, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's obviously the guy. He's obviously a dictator. And that's not necessarily true. Um, It is true in this case, but not necessarily, (laughs) right? Well, I'm I mean, it's, I mean, it's more of a, uh, it's more of an idea of like a, a singular vision, you know, where you, the unifying idea, and somebody's got to drive that home, right? I think you, you're thinking of dictato rather than dictator. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, obviously the, the the ship needs steering, but um, what's good about this album is that now we've got six musicians all contributed. To, to the record uh and we we literally wrote way above and beyond the call of duty for this record we actually had to drop some songs and to prove that you know it's not a dictatorship and that um you know everybody has a say we sort of voted which tracks and the track that i really wanted on the album achingly beautiful just got rejected because it was sort of not as developed as the others. And the, the producer, Scott Atkins, was like, you know, I know the record company really want everything. They want you to, your firstborn child to be sellotaped to the bloody CD to sell it. But <laughs> we've got to talk about, you know, quality over quantity here. And we could do a double album, but, you know, the song's going to suffer if you're going to spend four months in the studio and you're going to be sort of doing way too much. Because to be fair, our songs aren't Ramon's length true yeah <laughs> yeah this is not a, not a minute and 30 seconds here exactly. <laughs> yeah it uh, just seems like like in the 90s and and the odds i mean you guys had like developed a reputation of uh just being you know heavy drinking heavy smoking it was a party when you guys were on tour yeah. so did that contribute at all to the fact that you're now the only one still standing 
<laughs> no, but I tell you what, there are still times where we'll go out on the road and promoters will like cross themselves when we turn up in town. <laughs> They've heard all the stories. I mean, honestly, I, I could write books and books on the subject. I remember when our old drummer, Nicholas Barker, um, we were on a flight. We were doing like four shows in the States. They were like, um, it wasn't a tour as such. It was like a showcase thing for press and what have you, you know. Uh, first time we've ever been to the States and I think we're flying from yeah Chicago to New York and quite heavy drinking the night before um, and I was like falling asleep on the plane and we were just about coming to land and the uh, the stewardess wakes me up and she says sir um, I think you ought to come with me um, you're um, I think he's your drummer. He's in the toilet and we've been knocking and knocking and we can't get an answer and we're about to land and the safety lights, you know what I mean? And so I was knocking and there's like no answer. Eventually, long story short, they had to take the door off its hinges and he was there. He'd been sick. He'd like trousers around his ankles on the toilet, sick into his own lap. Um, it was a freaking nightmare. Um, and that's the thing nowadays, you know, that, You'd be arrested as soon as you got off the plane, you know. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that was the tip of the iceberg. The things we used to get up to. Um, but I just don't think that sort of thing goes on so much nowadays. It's like the seventies preceding that. You know, people just haven't got the money to drive. Uh, you know, limos into into swimming pools and stuff like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it's yeah. a lot of smart water in Advil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinky toy into a cup. <laughs> But you mentioned like writing a, writing books about this stuff. You do have a book that you contributed to, right? Mm. Like you co-edited something like that. The Gospel of Filth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like five years in the making. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. Did, yeah. did you did you work with Christopher Lee during that time at all? And and you know, did you know him? Did you did you yeah have any relationship with him? Well, he's in the book, um, and he did uh, con contribute a little bit of. Um, I didn't actually interview him. It was the, the guy okay. I co-wrote the book with, Gavin Baddeley. But back in the day, uh, we did approach him prior to getting Doug Bradley on board, Doug Bradley being Pinhead from Hellraiser. Um, and he was, Christopher was busy doing something at the time. So we got this thing back from his management saying, you know, I'm sadly have to decline this time. And we were like, no. <laughs> and I was saying to my wife um, like last year, because we were watching, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was Lord of the Rings or something. We were watching a film with him in, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, he's getting on a bit now. And really, you know, Ingrid Pitt died a few years ago, and everybody's sort of kind of getting to that age where they're all falling like flies. And it, we just got a game on a record. And then as I was going to London the other day, I got the text message that it died. And I was, like, literally mortified. You know, when you get the news that some films famous has died and you go, oh, that's a real shame, because I really like that guy and his films are great or whatever, his music was awesome. I literally got a real cold chill, you know, literally felt mortified hearing about Christopher Lee. Because yeah. he is the second best Dracula. And when you say that, everybody goes, well, Bela Lugosi, number one. I was like, no, the real Dracula, obviously, is number one. Yeah. <laughs> but after the real Dracula, Christopher Lee was, in my opinion, the pinnacle. Yeah. Well, and he yeah. had such a such a fervent career, too. Like, there's so much. Like, you just a lot of people didn't even realize how yeah. deep it was. And the, thing, the thing is, recently, as well, I mean, even this Christmas, he did a metal cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Which is pretty mental, isn't it, really, for, for a you guy know, that's 92. I find so odd and sort of like sort of a, a, a weird thing I'm conscious about is like the, you know, when I was a kid, when people, famous people were dying, they were my grandparents age, you know, and yeah. then, and, and now it's like now all of my parents generation celebrities are passing away. And that's like, that to me is kind of freaky as well, because it's like it's getting closer <laughs> a and b it's it's like um oh it's it's closer in terms of like, like ownership it's what you own is in your pop culture yeah, I, part of it right yeah i didn't spend saturday mornings watching frank sinatra i spent saturday mornings watching the 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 thriller with christopher lee you know the latest thriller hammer films and stuff you know yeah, well, yeah, I'm obviously familiar with those, but I mean, it's yeah, it's extending into into metal. I mean, metal is well, like 45 years. You know, you're starting to get people dying. You know, you, you know Ronnie James and Guy from Guar, and it's all it's getting to that sort of age when people are literally starting to go, which is a little sad, really, isn't it? Well, it's totally yeah. sad, not a little sad. It's, Oh, totally, and, and you know the, the the thing with like Brocky, it was like it's out of nowhere. No, I did, I had no idea. Yeah, why is it that my buddy out in California couldn't tell me that he had messed around with heroin before? You know, he tells me that after he dies, and it's like you know when I reflect on the interview we did with him, it's like, oh He's, man, that who are you talking you know, about? Uh, Dave Brocky of Guar. You know, it's sort oh, of like yeah, yeah. You know, well, so I, uh, we we Guar supported us uh, on the Viva La Bam tour. I think in. 2006 i think wow um them and cky and i hung out with him a, a, quite a bit we had a few days off in um las vegas yeah nobody was partying and stuff but not like that i never saw anything like that so yeah it did come as a bit of a surprise but when you do hear about people passing away you know in his armchair and stuff you do sort of think well yeah it's uh, a bit druggy but you're not you're not doing heroin Anything like that, that we stuff, need to right? know about, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> or just let me know. No. I mean, that way we can be the, prepared just in case, you know. You <laughs> don't have a spelunking hobby? Yeah, the skydiving? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. That's one thing. Yeah. I, I'm just, um, I, I just wouldn't be able to do it. I just haven't got the tolerance for that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, I mean, the old videos and the interviews I'd see of you, you, you know, you were drinking hard, smoking hard, the whole thing. Is that like still at least the, you know, part of your makeup, your character makeup now, or is that like a, a, a in the past? Is it clean living? Yeah, actually. Yeah, it is pretty much clean li living. Um, Stop drinking um, at uh, New Year's, actually. Um, this year? This year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, congratulations. Uh, well, yes, totally boring. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, you know, you just, uh, you don't find the joy in um, going to a pub anymore, really, you know. Uh, I, I, had, I, had, I had my doctor check up. I'm here in, in Dublin, Ireland. I had my doctor check up yesterday, and he's like, so how many beers do you have a week? And I was like, I don't know, two <laughs> and he just looked at me like, really? <laughs> <This Yeah. sound? laughs> um, well, I think it's something you grow out of, actually, you know. I mean, everybody, like, goes off the rails every now and then. But, um, you know, when you get to a certain age, you find yourself, like, not being able to recover so much. And, you know, the two goes hand in hand with performing as well. That's one of the reasons why I stopped. So I had got so much, so many gigs coming up, I just 
didn't really favour, you know, the fucking any of them up, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, so was that you... like uh, you're stopping cold turkey? Well, I don't know. The thing is, the longer it goes on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the less you, you know, you could stop, any, you know, go back on any time you want. But the longer it goes on, the more it becomes like, uh, I, mm, I feel guilty now if I did. So I don't know. I'll see how it goes. But um, yeah. I'm not saying I'm a, a complete same completely opposite actually but um yeah i think you get to so i'm 41 for christ's sake you know and uh you just you know body just can't handle it after a while we did used to pilot absolute animals i know exactly how you feel but but sometimes you gotta like uh you gotta let loose from sometime right i mean have you not touched it at all since the beginning of the year is it just those special occasions no no not at all are you a right. guy who's got like like just like that discipline thing, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> if I was disciplined, I would be ripped to the gills, you know, <laughs> muscular wise. So What's the vice now? I mean, if you got rid of drinking, uh, I mean what what's what's the major vice that you have now? Tell Chuck oh. you quit smoking and he should too. <laughs> <laughs> I occasionally have a, a have a uh, a toke. Not really, I've got much vice really. I've just been really too busy this year you know been in the studio doing this album was a little bit like being in a cocoon and then suddenly you know the album's finished and you're sort of there you go you're a big horrible looking butterfly now like i said we went first thing we did was go to the philippines um play a massive festival in front of thirty thousand people and it was like oh wow you know and now press and everything and it's back out on the road and it's suddenly like like I say emerging from this this chrysalis um, and it just literally is so much on. There's just not really any time to do anything other than, you know, be focused. So is it just well, like a, another another round of this? Is that does the family take it the same way? Is it all? I mean, like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> the wife must be like bummed out that you're boring. I don't know. Used to it, to be fair. You know, well, you can't get used to it really because you know everything's different. But um, and it, it the cycles are like this. We, we haven't really started this cycle. It was last time. Last time was like three years ago. So, you know, a lot can happen in that time. One of the things that I thought always was amazing about you guys is you had this incredibly uh, you know, abrasive music, and yet the, the hot chicks would flock to Cradle of Filth shows. And, and they must have been thrown at you, the, <laughs> throwing themselves at you the entire time, right? Uh, well, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on <laughs> but i you know was that like did at what point did that start and what is it that you guys were doing that was so attractive to hot chicks i really don't know they weren't at fear factory shows i can tell you that <laughs> i don't know but if i did know i'd bottle it <laughs> i i always wondered like is it something about like um you know, you would have the, 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 the female vocals on there, but even that, I mean, there's plenty of other bands with female vocalists. Don't get the hot chicks in. Something about the artwork, something about what you were, how you were presenting yourself. You I could for. never, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. I always wondered if you had some sort of idea as to what clicked and then figured out how to better, pre- you know, even turn it to 11, you know? No, no, honestly, yeah, you're looking for some uh, secret password, aren't you? Yeah, well, much. yeah. <laughs> you're a good-looking guy, but, you know, I, I never... Maybe it's an I, amalgam of 
you know, amalgamation of like lots of different things. We're talking about like making sure the lyrics good, the videos are good, the artwork's good, music's obviously the the main concern, but presentation and stuff as well. You know, there's not a lot that musicians really have to deal with aside from you know all the stupid things they get asked to do. But um, yeah, I think maybe it's that. Maybe it was the whole picture. To be fair, but it's hard. You know, looking from the inside out. You know. If it was that easy, then, you know, I'd be on my second speedboat. <laughs> How do those hot chicks look 20 years later? <laughs> 20 years older. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you find that they're they're still coming out or did they kind of peter out at some point? Now they're replaced with new hot chicks or what? Yeah, I guess so. The audience has definitely shifted. Um, like I say, metal's moved on a little bit. So you're now getting another wave of people and i must profess i as i mentioned uh doing that awards the other day i I didn't know half the bands so that's a sign of getting old i was speaking to manson and uh he wasn't making a great deal of sense anyway but he did when he was making sense he did go who the hell are these guys you know (laughs) and i think that's why he was talking to me and i was talking to you know priest and, and and alice cooper and stuff because we can relate, you know, not quite as old as them, but everybody else is all like in their early 20s. Yeah. And that, and that separation, that separation between 40 and 20 is a lot longer than it is than uh, between 40 and 60. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, yeah, because people aren't, you know, just reaching that sort of zenith now. And they were the people that started metal. Not obviously Alex Cooper and, you know, Sabbath. And, and then sadly, obviously, people are going to be popping their clogs off soon. <laughs> well, and you know, you worked with uh, is it Motionless and White? I think it was. You did a, a song with, right? Yeah, my other band, Devilman. Um, we went on tour. It was kind of weird last year because we did a Cradle did a full um, tour of Russia, like nineteen shows or whatever. You know, big, big, big place, big theaters, and what have you flying everywhere. And then I got back at two days off, and then I literally went in at entry level again supporting motionless white and lacuna coal across across europe you know getting made up in uh in uh didn't even have dressing rooms half the time get made up in the corridor and what have you but yeah they were good good people actually how crazy is that to go from from one end to the other does it feel like you're going back in time when you get to work with devilment or is it i mean is it humbling the the other guys in the band are all below 30 as well so yeah it, it it does, but it, it's they keep me sort of feeling uh, sprightly and youthful. <laughs> yeah, does, I mean, really, does it bring some of that energy back and make you go, okay, now, now I remember? Because because I mean, that is the one thing we got to do is we got to psychic vampires. We got to suck that <laughs> suck that juice out of the young ones so that we can keep going. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit like that. And as you know, what it is it's quite re- revigorating to be fair, um, and yeah. Yeah, psychic vampire, psychic <laughs> vampirism, like that. <laughs> so, can I ask you real quick, quick uh, about Luciferianism, which is, I think, what you had said at, at least at some point that that was how, how you identified yourself as far as religion is concerned. Is that still true? Well, I'm a bit like um, an Ab- uh, you know, a Van Helsing. A Van Helsing likes vampires. You know, um, I used to be more proactive and everything, but I've got. A, quite a big vast library of occult stuff and i've always been into the occult um and that's what 
keeps Cradle as like I suppose being classed as a black metal band is the fact that we're steeped in that you know dark side and the occult you know we live in well I live in the witch county here and uh, yeah I've always been fascinated with that kind of thing and I used to term Luciferianism because I always thought calling yourself a Satanist was a little bit you know tarring yourself a little bit too extreme I know there's different you know levels of it but I always thought it was a little bit too brash, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm a Satanist. Yeah. It's just like, really? Yeah, and I then mean, there's like, there is it the theistic Satanism or the non-theistic Satanism? And if it's non-theistic, then why are you, you know, using a, a, a label that just confuses people, you know? Well, I think that's the best thing, isn't it? To confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> Self is, right. is, is an archetype. He's like a scarecrow, really. You know, for the initiated, he's, he's, he's like a doorstopper. To everybody else, he just sort of scares people away, like gargoyles on the church. When you say a Satanist, people automatically picture something in their head versus... Yeah, exactly. That's the, what I'm saying. Yeah, the, so, it, it's a lot easier if you... Uh, Luciferianism... Well, and two, it's also a little more organic, am i right about that yeah paganistic a little bit more on that side well i i believe in a lot of things you know i spent a lot of time in india and uh you know traveling a lot i mean a lot of different people and the older you get the more your sort of perspective opens out you know Uh, i think satanism could be just a little bit narrow-minded to be fair Mm. so why india oh my mother had a house out there for a while so we'd go over there you know the holidays and that and it was like literally uh it's in goa and uh, she had like this portuguese villa and it was wasn't like in a, a touristy part at all it was literally in uh in a, in a village and she had a couple of showers in this, this thing and if you put both on at the same time all the electric went off in the in the village because <laughs> that kind of stuff it's great and it, it that's when i had my sort of uh, world epiphany because i was um Everybody went to the beach one day and, and I was there with my stepdad and he was doing some artwork and I was in one of the bedrooms on like on a new iMac and I was getting frustrated because something wasn't working properly and I was thinking I'm going to throw this fucking thing out the window in a minute. So I went and looked out the window and there was this woman across the road and she was putting something, she was literally getting up on the ladder and putting something on her roof of the house and it re- really sort of like I was like what the hell so I went and asked my stepdad what is that woman doing and uh, he said oh she's shoveling cow dung making cakes out of them putting them on the roof drying them and then selling it as uh, like fuel and she got like one rupee or two rupees which is nothing you know like nothing Mm -hmm. and this was her living and there's me with this like 2,000 quid bloody laptop that I was getting cross with and there was a woman outside the window, you know, shoveling shit, literally. And that was kind of my mm, life's not that bad sort of moment. Did she say, there's some lovely filth up here? Well, it puts things in perspective, though. I mean, because Wait, that's my point. You know, as soon as you as soon as you think you got the, the, the saying, the first world problems, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I would have been inspired to, you know, put the rest of the band up on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) 
You guys ain't working hard enough, and I'm overpaying you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Danny, we're excited for the new album, and and so glad that you're you're that you know you're still putting out awesome stuff. The new single is fantastic, and uh, you know, much respect to you and everything that you've done. Uh, it's, uh, it's well, there's going to really, be another really single awesome. in a couple of weeks, I believe, uh, for the track uh, "Flower in the Maidenhead," "Displeasure in the Goddess," uh, which should precede the album which uh yeah the album's coming out july the 10th and that's usually it's different in america but for once i think it's all coming out the same day actually wait is that the first day that they're going to do the friday thing i think that's the first that's going to be the first yeah it is that's the first day that they're doing the official worldwide release of albums actually I think that's the case that you have to do that nowadays, do you know what I mean? Because this whole bloody file sharing, people think they can get everything free, that really bothers me. It really does, because, you know, if you worked for a whole year to save up for, like, a car or something, and someone came along and said, you know what, I'm taking that car off you, so do. That's pretty much tantamount to what people are doing when a, a musician works a whole year on an album, and then they just go, oh, you know what, I'm just going to take that album, I'm going to let everybody have it for nothing.
Subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
That's the latest from Ramming Speed on the Metal Sucks podcast. Don't let this stay here is the name of the song. Very, very nice. That was a, that was your suggestion, eh, Godless? I love that song. That's good stuff right there, man. Hey, uh, don't forget to, uh, this week's episode of the Metal Sucks podcast brought to you by Refused, whose new album Freedom is their first in 17 years. It's out now. Uh, they're on tour with Faith No More. You can check it all out at officialrefused.com. You can buy the record right there, uh, tour dates, etc. It's all right there at officialrefused.com awesome album really if, is if man. our listeners don't help make that album number one this week on billboard i will be so bummed out and you know i suck when i get bummed out like <laughs> like i am so that's, much that's more true. pleasant he's pretty when terrible I'm, yeah, yeah i dude refused number one album i mean emails it, and it I'll, should be it should it. be no, just saying so, how you get though you get depressed yeah, and everybody yeah, please it's not fun, it's I, not fun I, for anybody I know I don't ask you to do much. Support the Metal Sucks podcast do it for by me. buying the new. Support yourself. <laughs> I say do it for me, so you can so you can keep Godless off my back. All right, yeah, because by buying the new refusal, he won't he will he won't stop. If, it, if it's I'm not even asking you to get it on vinyl or something stupid like that, Shut I'm up, just dude. asking I'm you get to, to get it on you know get the MP3s off of Amazon or or off of uh, uh, iTunes or whatever it is that you do. But you know, don't stream this one because you need to own it, even when you don't have internet access. And if you want to learn how to record music check out our friends over at creative live they've got classes on engineering mixing and mastering taught by uh, some of your favorite artists like between them bear to me and periphery dillinger converge uh, head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn some more uh, and watch some free previews about what they've got going on there as well awesome stuff right there you can learn a lot, a lot. fantastic site what's fantastic. up you know what's fun about that is is if it, it's it's funny because you know a lot of people are especially on the internet critics of music and how music is made and how music sounds and how this has happened and what goes on. If you don't have any knowledge about how that shit is done, shut the fuck up because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot harder than you think it is. It's a lot harder than you think it is. And it can't be is it's they, they may, they do make it look easy, but it is a lot of work and it's, it's great to see partners like that, that are out there trying to make things better for, for I, music I, in general. I feel like we've learned a lot this episode. It's been like this learning has been the theme of the episode. We've never had like a real theme episode, but this week's episode, the theme is learning because we, 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 we've got creative live, where you can learn the a lot of stuff. Know. We learned that our listeners are going to buy the new Refused album <laughs> and make it number one in Billboard. We learned a lot about the Danny Filth and the history of Cradle of Filth, how much the guy can drink on a, any given evening. We, we, we learned uh, 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 that you're a racist for the second week in hey, a row. Hey, yeah, hey. Remember, last week you didn't like Asians once again. Wait, when and did this that happen? Week, what? Yeah, and this week you're doing the 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 like uh, uh, what do you call it the the the, the uh, uh, devil's advocate for I've got my racist Confederate Nazi flag on, black metal my, guys. Got my Confederate flag shirt on right now as we yeah. speak. Oh yeah, yeah. you know that's what. So I, we but, learn a lot. You know when you're below the Mason Dixon line, that's what happens. Uh, so <laughs> maybe someday I'll learn something else, how to be tolerant of other people. See, this is what happens, people. By the fucking refused record, I'm going to get this shit every goddamn week. He's a pain in the ass when it's like this. All right, I tell you, oh, crazy man. Hey, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and all that good stuff. Just search Metal Slicks Podcast. You will find it, and you can uh, download it right to your app or whatever, Stitcher, you know, whatever app you do. Just search Metal Slicks Podcast and, you know, maybe leave us a review or something. Tell your friends about it. A couple of stars. That always helps. We like to hear that we suck, so that's good. And you can also find us on uh, the socials as well. I am at Bearded Ape on Twitter. I'm at, 
at GodlessSpeaks and GodlessSpeaks.com. So, you know, bringing up, you know, we like to chit-chat with people on the old Twitter box, too. And, uh, and of course, we're every Monday right here at MetalSucks.net with another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Metal Sucks Podcast.